listening to Law and Gospel Bible Study Wednesday, October the 2nd in the year of our Lord 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and this is the day that we have an opportunity to share the message of Jesus Christ, perhaps with classes or individuals at home, some of whom also bring individuals into their home to listen and then afterwards to discuss what we had to say. We're going to be taking a look at Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Now, why did I decide to do that? We're doing Acts 13 simply for the reason that it's going to answer a question that a lot of people ask. Uh, Last week, we talked about how important is finding distinctions between law and gospel in each passage. This week, we have a different goal. How do you talk to someone who is ignorant of Jesus Christ? They haven't heard about him, or they may have heard about him, but don't know that much about him. What we're going to be looking in Acts 13 is Paul and Barnabas at Antioch. And we're going to see what did they say, and hopefully it'll help us in knowing what we are to say to people who are somewhat ignorant of Jesus Christ. We begin Acts 13, verse 13. Now, Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John left them, because he had been with them on uh, other places, and he returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, that would have been Saturday, they went into the synagogue and sat down. Now, you always had somebody who was kind of leading the worship in these synagogues, and they would do a reading. And then afterwards, perhaps somebody like Jesus once did would explain the reading. So verse 15, after the reading from the law and the prophets. Now, the word law there doesn't mean Ten Commandments. It's referring, and the prophets, to how they divided the Old Testament books up. The first five books, Moses, were considered the law, and the rest were the prophets. Sometimes they have a three division, law, prophets, and writings. But in this case, law and prophets included all 39 books. Then after they read from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to Paul and his companions saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Now, here we're going to get into how Paul addressed individuals who were somewhat ignorant of Jesus Christ, what he had done, etc. Notice he doesn't start with Jesus because these are men of Israel 
and they would have been somewhat acquainted with the history of the Old Testament books. He says, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. So he's going all the way back, choosing fathers. Who was that? That was Abraham. And then, of course, Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. They all were living in Egypt for 400 years. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. Now, these people already would know these things, namely the crossing of the Red Sea, etc. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. Now, what is he, why does he say about 40 years? Because it was 40 years. Well, the first two years... They were in the wilderness until they got to the land of Canaan. And then they refused to go in because, oh, the Canaanites are giants. We're going to be beat up. They lost their trust in God. And so God made them wander in the wilderness another 38 years until everyone who had died of a certain age and only their children, grandchildren, etc., were ready to go into the land of Canaan. Then they went into the land of Canaan. Verse 19. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. And all this took about 450 years. So he's recounting the history of which the Jewish people would be nodding their heads. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. And that's the book of Judges. I mean, there are a number of judges. The people fall into unbelief. God sends a nation to punish them. Then they pray to God, and a judge comes and restores them. And this keeps on going on and on until Samuel the prophet to whom they asked, verse 21, for a king. And God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. 22. And when he, that's God, had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said... I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do my will. Uh, Remember, if you'll recall, when Samuel went to decide who should be king, the other sons of Jesse appeared to be better to become a king. David was a young man, and he was tending the flocks, and he wasn't even present when Samuel first got there. And God said, no, it's David I want. Verse 23, of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. So, all of a sudden, he now talks about Jesus. Remember, when you read a passage, there are two things you always should be looking for. The number one thing is, 
where is Jesus? The number two thing is, how is law and gospel used? So, Jesus is, of course, a descendant of David. And there are charts which kind of follow all the way from Adam down to Jesus. Concordia Publishing House used to sell one. I don't know if they still do or not. But um, they're really interesting. Before his coming, John... Now, what John is this? This isn't John the Apostle they had with them at the previous place. This is John the Baptizer. And before his coming, that's really important because John was to prepare for the coming of Jesus. How did he do that? He proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. Now, what do you repent about? You repent over your sins. You're contrite over how you have disobeyed God. And that's what John the baptizer was doing. Now, when he spoke repentance to King Herod, of course, King Herod put him into prison. King Herod was in an immoral relationship with a woman. And, of course, then the woman's daughter danced for Herod, and he said, I'll give you whatever you want. And she asked for the head of John the baptizer, which she received. And as John, verse 25, was finishing his course, he said, what do you suppose that I am? I am not he. See, they thought he might be the Savior, the Messiah, because in the Old Testament books they were looking for the Messiah. Uh, By the way, the Greek word for Messiah is translated, I'm sorry, the Hebrew word for Messiah is translated into the Greek as Christ. I'm not he, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. That's actually said in the Gospels when John the baptizer meets Jesus. Now, Paul now talks to his listeners, brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us, and he's talking about himself, Paul, and the other apostles with him, has been sent the message of this salvation. See, they didn't make it up. It was a message that was sent to them. Well, who sent it? Obviously, God. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, namely, they didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah, nor understand the utterances of the prophets. So how could you not understand the utterances of the prophets? David talks about he's going to be pierced in hands and feet. Isaiah talks about he's going to be whipped. Isaiah also says, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, all of our sins. They did not understand that that was applying to this carpenter from Nazareth, Jesus. Even though, now listen to verse 27, these are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. (laughs) So here you have all these prophecies from the prophets 
And the rulers in Jerusalem, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and I'm talking about the unbelievers, not the believers, because we did have some believing Pharisees. Joseph of Arimathea, for example, uh, Nicodemus. In fact, they were even members of the Supreme Court in Judaism. But because they did not understand him, even though these readings were read, they fulfilled the prophecies of these readings by condemning him. That was in front of Pontius Pilate. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death. Remember, Pilate says, I don't find anything that he's done wrong. And he washed his hands. They asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. Now, what was the last thing that had been written of Jesus that he fulfilled? It's found in Psalm 22, where it says that he thirsted, his tongue cleaved to the roof of his mouth. That's why he rejected drink at the beginning of the crucifixion, because he knew he had to become thirsty. And right after he said, I thirst, he then gave up the spirit into the hands of the Father. Well, he's not done. Verse 30. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days, he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. So what Paul is saying is the apostles saw Jesus for a number of days, 40 of them. And he appeared to them. He spoke to them. He did miracles. Uh, Remember when he saw the apostles out on a boat and he was on the shore, he told them to put their nets on the one side. They did. And boy, they couldn't even fill the boat. There were so many fish. Peter jumped into the water and swam to Jesus. And then they had breakfast that had already been prepared by Jesus. So for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. Now they're witnesses not only that he was risen from the dead, but they are witnesses of the message, and that is the message of the gospel. And that's what Paul gets into. And we bring you the good news. Remember, That's the word euangelion in the Greek, which is gospel. That what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus as also it is written in the second psalm. So now he quotes Psalm 2. You are my son, today I have begotten you. And this is important because we talk about God the Father, and then Jesus is the only begotten Son. God the Father has many sons. I'm a son of God. Women are sons of God. But we're not begotten. We are adopted. There's only one begotten Son of God. 
verse 34. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Wow. Those holy and sure blessing of David found in 2 Samuel 7, the forgiveness of sins, the robe of righteousness, being a part of the family of God. Therefore, he says also in another psalm, this is verse 35, the psalm he's quoting is 16, verse 10. You will not let your Holy One see corruption. So Jesus was raised from the dead prior to any corruption. Verse 36. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep, that means he died, and was laid with his fathers, and he saw corruption. So his body decayed. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. There was no corruption in Jesus. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, here it comes, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. There's no other religion that teaches this. You're forgiven when you make it up to some other kind of idol or something. But that forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you because of the death of a carpenter from Nazareth? Wow. No, notice, the Apostle Paul is not using reason at all as he shares the message of Jesus Christ. He's simply speaking the gospel. And here it is. Forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him, everyone who what? Obeys? No. Everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed. What was he talking about? What are we freed from? Well, he continues which you cannot be freed by the law of Moses. You see, what is the law of Moses? In the day that you sin, eternal death should be your result. Jesus takes upon himself your eternal death. So what Paul is doing here. He's first of all agreeing with the people about the history of the Old Testament, but that's not saving. What's saving is that God did all this for one purpose, to bring Jesus onto the earth, his incarnation, in order that by his death and resurrection, you are freed from the curse of the law. Brothers, beware, verse 40. Therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about, look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. And boy, are there so many people 
in Paul's day, in the prophet's day, and in 2019, who hear the word of God and don't believe it, even though it is told to them. Verse 42. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told to them the next Sabbath. See, that's the goal of every sermon. That when the sermon is completed, you are comforted. And you can hardly wait for the next worship service and the sermon in order that you might be comforted. Now, Paul didn't give any evidence for any of this. He just spoke the word of God. Why would these people want to hear more? Why were they so excited? Why were they comforted? Because the Holy Spirit had used the word of God that Paul spoke, specifically the gospel, as a means of grace, as a means of convincing the people that their sins would be converted. I'm sorry, their sins would be forgiven. So verse 43 is very important. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism, those would be Gentiles, followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. That's the purpose of Christianity. So, what do you think happened the next Sunday? Verse 44. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. It it reminds me of uh, Jonah when he preached in Nineveh. There was no way he could reach all the people. But in his preaching for three days, because there were thousands of people in Nineveh, that preaching was shared from one person to another, and they repented of their sins, and God did not destroy them. So the whole city was almost there to hear the word of God again. Then we get, of course, the part that verse 41 talks about. But when the Jews saw the crowds, and and these were the unbelieving Jews, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. I mean, you don't need any other passage to show that there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile, male and female, free or slave. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. 
But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But Paul and Barnabas shook off the dust off their feet against them and went to Iconium. But the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of an example of how we also, we speak only the word of God. Forget about reason as a way of convincing anybody that they should become a Christian. Because the Holy Spirit will take the specific means of grace of the gospel and move hearts to have faith and believe. But don't be surprised when persecution occurs to you because the devil will do everything to stop this word of God. On the next Law and Gospel, Rumination Thursday with Wes Reimnitz, uh, individual wrote about why people are attending church. Then he wrote another article, why people are not attending church. We're going to be looking at that second article and see if we can find some insights for how to receive people back into church. I'm Tom Baker. Till tomorrow morning, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.